you can try and kick that addiction gremlin out of your boat along the little river that you're rowing down, but you're mm -hmm. never going to do it. So that little gremlin, you're going to kick him out of the boat and he's going to jump right back in. I said, so your only job is to love that little gremlin and to tell him to sit there and to give him a lollipop and say, I hear you, buddy, but I'm not listening to you. You can kick and scream all you want, but I'm in charge here. I'm rowing the boat. That was my guest this week, Rachel of Recovery by Rachel. I'm your host, Martin John, and this is the Recover Yourself podcast, where we're talking with people who have long-term recovery about what it is they're recovering to beyond their journey of recovering from. I've always expressed that neither trauma nor substance abuse is a prerequisite for recovery. It's actually too bad that there's so many stigmas attached to recovery that millions of people just dismiss the idea they need help at all. Recovery is something for everyone, and it was a delight for Rachel and I to address that in this episode. Rachel has a long history of recovery in her life and is focused, as I am, on the journey of recovering the self. Stick around to the end to learn how to get a free copy of her Awakening the Spirit guided meditation and how to join her in a group event for inner child recovery. So I am so excited to talk to you today about all of this. What's your history? How did you come to work within recovery as you are currently working with it's an interesting story actually i opened a spiritual fitness and wellness studio in san clemente california and um it was intended to be a meditation studio so i had a schedule set up with meditation classes i had um, friends in the yoga community and um one day i was sitting at my desk which faced the front door and there were these stairs that went upstairs <clears throat> and there was a recovery center in the building and I think about 20 young people, <laughs> a little bit younger than me, 20 millennials let's say, walked by the front glass door as I'm staring out with, you know, noise and heavy feet and vaping and the whole thing and they walked up the stairs to go to the space, the office space directly above me and it was noisy and they were heavy footed. And I sat there in tears and I said to my higher power, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be a meditation studio and there's all this noise upstairs. What the heck, you know, <laughs> this can't be. I mean, you told me build it and they will come. So I built it and now I have all this noise above me. I don't understand how is this going to work? And it's an older building and the walls and the floors were paper thin. I mean, you could hear everything. I could hear them putting their chairs on the floors as they unstacked the chairs, you know, for their, their circle time. And um, I just sat there and I said to my higher power, what do you want me to do? And my higher power said to me, if you can't beat them, join them. And I said, okay. And I got on my computer and I wrote a nine page proposal and I walked over to the um, recovery center and I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'd like to create a spiritual fitness class for you guys. Uh, come over, I'll do a free class for you. So they sent over 22 people and my class was a 90 minute class. And uh, I practiced sound healing. I played the crystal bowls, hands-on healing, energy healing. Um, I did a guided meditation, like story meditation, a little bit of coaching, teaching, and integration at the end. Well, of course, I absolutely loved it, so, which, was, which was wonderful. And so it kind of built from there. And then I think a few months later, a second recovery center moved into the building. So I was busy, and I started building my coaching practice. I was teaching four classes a week at one point and seeing... Oh, I think at one point when I was super busy, I was um, 
blessed enough and uh, busy enough to probably work with between 45 and 65 clients a week. So I was working with people at the detox level this whole way through who right. were in recovery. And then my private coaching practice was working uh, with people in uh, substance abuse recovery, but also recovering from anything else. So, t so working with and facilitating people from all different walks of life. Um, and my philosophy about recovery when I would teach Martin is, you know, you're not only recovering from a substance, you're recovering yourself. So my philosophy is we're already liberated, but we've just forgotten. And I don't necessarily call it a spiritual awakening. I call it a remembering because that feels more in harmony with, with my heart and with my essence and who I am. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got into the uh, recovery industry. And one of the things I can say I love about working with people in, in addiction recovery is I always was grateful and refreshed by no matter what they were feeling or how they were doing or what was going on, and they were feeling pretty rotten those first two weeks, three weeks in detox, is they always showed up in their authentic self. And I always, always appreciated that so much, even though it was really, really challenging at times. I mean, had you know people wanting to kill me or look like they wanted to kill me. <laughs> Why yeah. do we have to go and see this lady? Because they were forced to come. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I, I always gave it my all and, and uh, always took the challenge on. Um, and learned a lot in the process. I'm very, very grateful for, for those opportunities to learn and to serve um, and make a huge difference in, in people's lives and even you know, to help, help people make the decision to turn left versus going right, which where they wouldn't really probably be here on this earth. So, right. um, and uh, because you're coming at this from, I know you work within the recovery field and um, but not exclusively. And, and, and I don't want to work within it exclusively either. Actually, I don't really consider myself an addict anymore. Sometimes I notice addictive qualities and I, and anytime I do, I'm questioning those things. And I'm like, you know, I want everybody to do this. Right. You have good self-awareness and you're right. We're all addicted to something and you can try and kick that addiction gremlin out of your boat along the little river that you're rowing down, but you're mm -hmm. never going to do it. So that little gremlin, you're going to kick him out of the boat and he's going to jump right back in. So your only job is to love that little gremlin and to tell him to sit there and to give him a lollipop and say, I hear you, buddy, but I'm not listening to you. You can kick and scream all you want, but I'm in charge here. I'm rowing the boat. It's the same analogy or practice we can use with any of our shadow parts, right? Or even our self-doubt. You know, we have just all these little gremlins in our personal boat. We're rowing through life. So, the, but the more you try and kick them out of the boat, meaning the more you try and deny, the more you try and turn away and pretend it's not there, the more is going to want to jump back in. And when they jump back in, they're going to want to fight with us and jump on our chest and go, but you can't see me. You can't hear me. What's going on? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Um, but it's really about recognizing them, giving them unconditional love, recognizing that it's there. It's a part of you. It's not going anywhere. And I think that that stops people from wrestling with or fighting with that quote unquote demon that they feel they have this addiction demon because everybody has addictions. Yep. And of course, as I said, some are life threatening and some have gotten some of us into a lot of trouble and some haven't, but it, the more that we can embrace the part of ourselves and therefore we can go out in humanity and embrace others just as they are and recognize that we all have addictions and it's all a part of the face of being human. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And, and again, right in line with everything that I, I, I love about living. Um, you know, I, I talk about addictions as the things you use to not be aware. And, and I utilize the term awareness avoidance 
as as right. like and anything we're using to avoid being aware of ourselves that's where that's where the you know the birth of addiction or the birth of like just checking out of your own life and yeah that's beautiful and i would offer an up level on that that please. when we're not in that awareness that you're talking about um awareness avoidance can you be aware of your awareness of avoidance? Because even in that, there's awareness, right? Absolutely. The second you're aware of your awareness, awareness avoidance, you're aware, right? And that's 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 all it is. That's right. the big mystery. That's the big secret. It's like sometimes we don't have to fix it. We don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Just be aware, which is which is what the beautiful tool of meditation allows and gifts us if we're just aware. People think we. I'm not feeling peaceful. I can't meditate today. So meditate when you're angry because all meditation is asking you to do is be present with anything that's going on. Well, why can't we sit and meditate when we feel angry? Because we judge it. Meditation okay. is a word that has gone through some transition over the last couple of decades. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right? Like the way of saying it. I like the way, yeah, it's true. Um, but now it is this, like this ultimate, like I... I'm, I meditate and now <laughs> people own this and it's a label, right? And it's, and it, and it has all of these things associated with it. And then, so, so I feel like when I get to talk to my clients about like, you no, know, I just want you to sit quietly. That's it. I, I, I really don't care what you do during that time. Like yeah. if you think you think. If you stare off into space, you stare off into space. This is how you're going to learn your meditation. And I believe we all actually have our own personal meditation, but we just haven't noticed it yet. We haven't recognized where it is and, and what we do. But there are those little, those 10 seconds maybe of just like, boom, there I go and now I'm back. Right. right. And then it's like, oh, I got, I got to fill, I got to fill that time with something. And then they go, they turn on the TV or they, they, they make themselves a coffee or they do something just to fill that spot where it's like, no, you're being invited to meditate. You're being right. invited to sit quietly. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. You're right. So many people, especially in our, our, our time and our age and our society where there are so many distractions at our fingertips, right? Yeah, There's so many, so many distractions that so we feel like, Oh, if we have quiet time or dead time, we should, um, jump on Instagram or jump on social media or check the news or see what's going on. Or maybe I should post something or da, 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 da. right. The hamster in the wheel is just going round and round and round and round. And there's a gift in sitting practices, meditation practices, quiet time, self-care could be going to the gym and sitting in the sauna or the steam or jumping on the treadmill even, even, you know, right. for, for some people that's a moving meditation. And as long as you're just being present with yourself, that's a practice and it's a practice. We don't get it right every day. We may not do it every day, but it's- There practice. is no right. Exactly, yeah, there is no right. And that's the thing, all that expectation of right. Am I doing it right? People say, I, didn't, I can't meditate. They would say, I can't meditate, I can't meditate. I said, well, do you feel better? They said, it didn't work. I said, do you feel better after the meditation? They say, yeah, I said, well, then it worked. They're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's simple. Do you feel, did something shift for you? Do you feel lighter? Do you feel freer? Yes, okay, then it worked. So I guess you did it right. There's just so much mental expectation around it. When you, um, so, so how long would you say has this awareness been with you? 
Uh, I went through my spiritual remembering about 10 years ago, so only 10 years. Okay. And it's gotten deeper and more expansive and more knowing and less knowing all at the same time. Yes. That's a, that's a wonderful way of putting it because when I was, when I was an addict and when I was in active addiction, um, I knew everything. You know, like of course, because you're really, really, really healthfully placed inside your ego. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and so and 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 the further and further away I get from all of these things that cause me to want to know, um, the more I know I don't know what's going on, and and, yes. and the more I'm open to that. Can you right. speak to that and your experience of that? Yeah, thank you. I wanted to add something. There's this there's this notion on the spiritual path right now of transcending the ego and killing the ego. And I completely disagree with it. Completely. We need the ego, right? The positive ego stops us from stepping out in front of a bus and getting killed. My friend always says, and the negative ego is there to teach us mm-hmm. and sometimes protect us and defend us from things that are just, um, old defense mechanisms and responses to childhood traumas and beliefs and things that we've picked up over time from our parents, our upbringing, our culture, our society, our commercials, our billboards, um, all of these things. So what we awaken out of is the ego when we climb up the mountain, as one of my teachers says, and then when we come back down, we embrace the ego from a different place. Right. So look at Oprah, for example. She, I, I, I listened to her talk this morning with Brené Brown briefly, and I'm not an Oprah fan, not for any reason. I just not. I just grab something on on YouTube, whatever pops up in my YouTube field. I always think the universe wants me to watch that, so I watched a 20 minute video of Brené Brown and Oprah this morning, and Oprah mentioned, you know, transcending the ego and not having an ego. And I wanted to reach through the camera and said, "But you have an ego, and it's okay because you're sitting here talking about it, and that's your ego talking about your ego." Right. Right. And, and, and it's you're okay. Oprah. Bitch, you got some ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have an ego. Otherwise, you wouldn't be who you are. So, you know, it's all in good fun. There's no, there's no judgment. Absolutely, absolutely. Just awareness and observations about there's, there's this, you know, kill the ego, kill the ego. But also when you're on the path of recovery, and especially if you're recovering from substance abuse, you must, I believe it's imperative and important, necessary step on the journey you know, where we awaken to, I have all these defense mechanisms and patterns and behaviors and personality, which is the ego that's been tripping me up and getting me in the way and, you know, making me make these bad decisions and these bad choices. So as soon as we recognize that, it gives us a framework and then you can work at breaking that down and chiseling away all those defense mechanisms and patterns of the personality and ego move beyond it, awaken to it, transcend it, and then find and embrace the beautiful, the beautiful part of your ego that we all need and have and stops us from getting hit by a bus every day. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I believe we are all one, but we are also made up of two things, right? I always look at like, we are a hundred percent spiritual and 100% body. We have to be able to recognize and balance 
both of those together. So, so much of our trauma is held in our bodies. And when I went through a lot of trauma when I was little, a lot of sexual abuse and physical abuse. And what I learned along my journey is we, we did therapists call it disassociation. Mm -hmm. In my world, I call it soul fragmentation. So mm -hmm. we separate and leave our bodies because there's so much trauma in our bodies, especially as children, we can't handle it. And animals do this. They'll leave their bodies when they go through trauma. And that's how they're able to survive out in the wild. And repeat attacks over and over and over again. But for us as humans, it creates a little bit of a problem because we disassociate, we leave our bodies. And then part of the awakening or remembering or healing journey is to, you know, we're hanging out in ethers, maybe hanging by a few cords connected to our body because there's so much trauma. So my, my 10 years of my journey was coming back into my body, being present with my body, working with my body, listening to my body, loving my body, healing my body, because that's for all the the trauma lives is in the cellular tissue of the body. And that's why body work, you know, somatic work, working out exercise, loving on your body, adoring your body, treating your body well is so, so, so important. Uh, such an important part of, of the healing journey. I remember having a, a class of women and for some reason, for a couple of weeks in a row, a lot of women showed up with a lot of track marks on their arms and they carried so much shame. And so we spent a lot of time, I said, you know, just put your hand on your arm and, and, you know, maybe apologize to your body and say, I'm so sorry, I treated you so badly. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was in so much pain. I'm so sorry, can you forgive me? And it was very, very healing for them because we, because of that disassociation, it's just, it's the intention of, treating your body well and just recognizing, Hey, I have a body and today I'm going to treat you a little bit better. So you know what my spiritual practice is today. Sometimes this is the truth. This is true for me. Sometimes my spiritual practice of the day is drinking enough water. Mm -hmm. That's it. Or getting yeah. three meals in and two snacks Yeah, that are balanced meals. Like sometimes that's just it. That's just it for me. That is, so, the, that is the core of treat yourself, right? Like, the idea that treat yourself should be buy something, drink alcohol, do these things to, to like, that's not treating yourself. No, it's not. And, and, and I love this idea of just like, Hey, you hurt yourself here yesterday. Offer it some forgiveness. Yeah. It's just, it's just how can we up level every single day? something really, really tiny. It doesn't have to be that much. We're trying to do too much too soon, too fast. And, you know, progress, not perfection. Like I did something personal in my life, which was filled my calendar with bells and whistles and dings and chimes to remind myself to do all these things at a certain time. As you and I were talking before about, you know, wake times and morning routines. And I got off to a slow start a couple of weeks ago and I was re, re fine tuning, reorganizing everything. And I just reminded myself, Hey, you may not be doing it on the hour, but at least you're doing it. You know, there's a flow to the day and you're doing it maybe an hour behind schedule the whole day, but at least I've done it all. And then the next week I was half an hour behind schedule. And then, you know, this week I'm more or last week I'm more on schedule. So right. it's progress, not perfection, as we say, but it, that, that goes across the board in life, you know, whether you're drinking, six ounces more of water yesterday, today than you did yesterday. It's, right. it's all perfect. And you may forget tomorrow and then the next day you practice again. That's right. So yeah. um, now, now you're coming back from trauma and you're, you're recovering from a number of things on your own, on your own. Um, when, when you were in the midst of this idea of recovering from, what were some things that early on before the, 
these past 10 years of you thinking clearly or you kind of understanding things as they are, what were some things that maybe you experienced that you didn't ever think were going to change about you? Beautiful question. Thank you. And my intuitive answer to that is the feeling of feeling damaged. Hmm. I remember being in my 20s, being at University of Montreal, walking into a bookstore on a weekend. You know, they have the top selling books on display. I think it was a Barnes and Noble store or maybe chapters. We have chapters in Canada. And um, uh, I grew up there for those of you that don't know that. Um, and there's a, there was a book there titled Damaged. And I grabbed it. And I realized years later, the reason I chose that book and bought that book and brought it home is because that's how I felt on the inside. But I had no idea because I didn't know, you know, all my, all my childhood abuse was completely repressed right. until my 30s. I had no idea. So I always had this feeling inside of being damaged, of being of low value. I had low self-worth. I had low self-esteem. I was insecure. I was shy. Um, I didn't know self-love at all. I knew love, um, but I didn't know self-love. I loved my childhood pets, you know, my little friends I had, my family. I loved nature, but I didn't know self-love. And I certainly didn't know how to climb out of that hole of feeling damaged. But um, I had a profound healing experience in my early 30s. And my best way of describing it is when I realized I realized all this abuse happened to me in my childhood. It felt like all of these dominoes in my life just stood up. And all of a sudden, Rachel made sense. Yeah. All of a sudden, all those feelings inside me made complete sense. It explained everything. And it was the most horrific and the most magical moment all at the same time. Yeah. It was so liberating and so damaging all at the same time. Because now I had something to work with and this was like, holy s-h-i-t this is a lot yeah. and then you know at the same time i made sense how i knew myself on the inside and all these things all of a sudden just made sense all these dominoes just stood up yeah it's remarkable that's amazing mm -hmm. um and and do you still experience like remnants of that damaged idea that you're able to continue digging into um, that's a great question. It's actually perfect timing because I just went through an experience in a relationship where my feelings of self-worth and self-value were very, very challenged. And, um, it didn't take me too long to, and it was kind of sneaky, um, you know, cause when you're in close relationship with somebody, you don't always see things, see things clearly, but I was able to, um, realize, oh, I'm being tested again to see, you know, how much have I healed this? Uh, and I realized pretty quickly that I'm good. I've got the lesson. I don't need to do this again. You know, so I transitioned out of that, out of that um, experience in that relationship uh, with a lot of love, gratitude, a little bit of hurt that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm healing. And uh, <clears throat> the other thing that's remarkable is how quickly that healing is happening. Um, and I believe that's because of all of the, inner work and the self-love that I do have and coming from a place of non-judgment and, you know, kind of, you know, as best I can having a sense of humor about it, like, Oh, thanks universe for testing me again. You know, I, I got it. I got the lesson. We don't need, I don't need to create this again. I don't need to get the lesson again because I get it. I get it yeah. now. Um, yeah. so 
Well, that's well, that's beautiful, and that's and that's so important for my audience to understand that you know it's not a destination, and 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 we will be tested and in different ways. Right, and it's same place, different face. Right. Yeah. So the scenario, the dynamic, the feelings are the same with just different characters. Yeah. And the second you start to realize, oh, <laughs> this feels familiar. I think I've done this before. That's when you stop and realize that, yes, the universe is testing you and checking on you to see how you're doing with your self-worth, your self-value, your self-love. Did you get the lesson last time? Because it really is same place, different face. Yeah. over and over and over until we get the lesson. Right. And you, it, that, that, that lesson is, it's, it's not singular, right? It's, it, it is, right. it is deep. I talk about a thing um, where I talk about this uh, and it was presented to me in this way, where it's like pre-karmic buffet. Before we're born, we get a plate and we get to choose all of these like karmic things we have to deal with responsibility or relationship or this or that or whatever and and you know the problem with uh the problem with buffets is they're all you can eat so you have this big plate and you go back to your seat and then here you are born and like this is what you have to 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 work through in your life and 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 it is a it is a gift to work through that because as we get as we work through it we recover ourselves and we get to see how magical we and life are together Yes. And one of the things you'll know if you're, you know, the sort of litmus test as to how well you're doing is how quickly you recover from it. Right. You know, so even though, you know, my, my wing is a little bit injured here and I've lost a few feathers, my recovery is, has been so, so quick and so full of grace. And that is a testament to, for me, you know, between my higher power, how much work I have done and how much I fall into the arms of grace through a time of challenge. And if I can also add Martin, your idea of the, of the karmic buffet, I love that. And it's, it's true. You know, my, my visual is we have this little suitcase of karma that we, we bring from life to life. And then, and then to add a, another layer to it, cause there are always layers. And, you know, I believe we only know 10% of really the great mystery of spirit of and how this matrix all works anyway. <laughs> but um, we also take vows when we come in on a karmic level, on a soul level, we also take vows when we come into our lifetime. And so we're also, I believe that consciousness is changing so much right now that, that that's why there's a psychic and a healer on every street corner because right. we are here to release our karma. I believe that consciousness is changing and we're moving into a state of not living with karmic debt anymore, either positive oh, or negative. Like because, yeah, because it's just our souls are exhausted from carrying it. Yeah. You know, these are the, these are the insights that I get in my meditations is that, that we're exhausted from carrying it and we're here to clear it just to see, to be done, to create heaven on earth. And that's what that is. So we don't have wow. any karmic debt we're, we're carrying with us anymore. We're clearing all the vows. We're clearing all the past life um, traumas that we, that we carry with us. Um, I believe personally in past lives. Do I know for sure? No, but I've had enough experience. Oh, yeah, I, I do past life portraiture. So oh, that's right. Yeah, you yeah. do. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm all I'm like, not our, our audience might, but whatever, like we, <laughs> they, they can catch up or not. Like they don't, we don't, we don't ask you to believe anything. We can just. Right. Right. And I've taken people through uh, past life healing meditations and it's amazing and profound things that can come up for healing. So we'll carry something with us. We carry, you know, a weed, let's say from a, a past life karmic debt with us in this life. And it can wreak it will grow a field of weeds in this life. And you work so hard if you're working with, you know, traditional therapy or counseling or all these different healing modalities to try and 
fix a relationship or heal a relationship here in your life and you can't, you know, we have to sometimes go back and check our, our karmic suitcase and, and see what we're carrying with us or what vows or where there are um, hooks, cords and ties to other people or, um, or, you know, soul contracts and our past soul contracts we have with people. Um, but it's time for them to be complete because, mm. you know, if there's abuse going on, no more soul contract, no matter who or what it is, right. for example. And that's something we're, you know, awakening to more in this lifetime as well. So, so you've been working with people with an addiction and you say that everybody has addiction. How do you define addiction? I would define addiction as any behavior or pattern that adversely affects or takes you away from loving yourself or loving those around you. And, and I agree with that definition really strongly. Um, so the deeper definition of addiction is a lack of connection. Yeah. And in my world, that means lack of spiritual connection. Right. It's, it's a spiritual disease. Because if we knew, if we all remembered and knew that we're from source or the love of the light or God or nature, however you want to define the universe energies, the all one, if we actually knew that and felt it and embodied it, we wouldn't need to put substances into our bodies to, or otherwise to numb out. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's emotional pain management. Mm. That's really what addiction is. It's an emotional pain management. That's beautiful. No, that is exactly. You feel that, right? As I say, yeah. it's pretty. There is, yeah. there is so much in that. And Mm. no that's yeah. good yeah i can just sit with that i can i'm feeling it too addiction yeah. is emotional pain management so right. again you know our emotions there's so much shame and stigma around our emotions right especially for men don't cry men don't cry don't cry boys don't cry girls cry right in our culture in our society and of course it's a lot worse in other countries as we know but we're not we're not taught to be okay with our feelings so to me it it really doesn't make sense because god made us whoever god in my world made us to be human and to be human means we get to be human what does that mean we get to feel what it means to be human what does that mean we get to feel all of the human feelings anger sadness shame blame you know disgust hatred mm -hmm. I had a client whose 10-year-old son went into his school counselor's office and said, um, I want to commit suicide and I have a plan. And when she told me this, you know, she said, will you work with him? I said, I can, but, you know, I'd rather work with you and we can just, you know, I can intuit what's going on. So she and the dad were divorced and the dad displays narcissistic traits and the 10 year old son goes to dad's house and has very, very conflicting feelings about his dad, right? Cause of the way the dad treats him. I love my dad cause he's my dad. And I hate my dad because of the way he treats me. So I said to the mom, I said, okay, so how about we just help him find balance in feeling I love my dad and I hate my dad. Mm -hmm. Cause that's where his struggle comes from. There's such cognitive dissonance inside him for what he, for his with his emotions. 
he couldn't, he couldn't figure out how these two feelings could coexist. I explained to her in, in the spiritual teachings of non-duality, you know, two sides of the same coin. Love and hate is two sides of the same coin. That's why we can love someone with a passion and hate them with a passion. Yeah. Right? Where you're just like, rah. But we judge it. Doesn't yeah. mean you're going to go out and kill the person. I mean, some people do, heaven forbid. Yeah. But, you know, it's a feeling. And if you're just present with the feeling of, oh, I want to scratch that person's eyes out today. Just let yourself feel the feeling and honor the feeling that you're having. Because until you do, you cannot transcend out of it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So the more yeah. we go into those deep, dark, murky places and all those negative feelings or unsavory emotions that we have and that we judge, the more we fight them, the more they're going to climb back in the boat. <laughs> so she had this conversation with her 10 year old son, she told me, and he immediately calmed down and said to her mom, thanks. That helps me so much because it's true. I love dad and I hate dad. Mm-hmm. Just good. him expressing his emotions and his feelings, which of course he couldn't ever say to his dad. So again, also having a safe, non-judgmental space for this young boy at age 10 um, who lives in Southern California to, to manage and navigate his emotions without any judgment. Cause the second we judge someone else's feelings or their emotional experience, they're going to shut down and it goes inward. And the problem is, is when we're little and we go through trauma, there's no adult in our field, physical or energetic field who is there to say, I understand you're hurting. I understand you're feeling sad. You're upset. You're angry. Maybe you have a physical injury from your trauma or your abuse. How can I, how can I help you? How, what do you need? What can I give you? So many of us don't have that. That's why we disassociate. Right. And all those feelings come back to haunt us. They're like the barking dogs in the basement, right? They get louder and louder as we get older, especially around 40 something midlife crisis age, right? <laughs> Or in our twenties, where a lot of people fall into addiction because it's right. a, beca- addiction becomes emotional pain management. And if you don't have a healthy environment or people around you to support you with what you're feeling, there's no one there to honor. So the best thing we can do is to honor our own feelings. That's like the number one medicine. If I could ask anybody and everybody to give themselves is just give yourself your heart so that you can honor your own feelings, no matter what they are, no matter when they come up, no matter what time of day it is. We live within contradiction. And it's this contradiction between this love and hate, good and bad, right and wrong, that, that, that we really, that's, that's living as a human, right? Like understanding the opposites and understanding the extremes and understanding where where balance is between all of these right right and you just said something really beautiful martin about the the right and wrong i just wrote a, a newsletter about this a couple of weeks ago that there's so much judgment around right and wrong mm-hmm. and what i like to offer people is we need judgment for discernment right judgment calls we need judgment it's a part again it's a part of being human let's not judge the judgment right. but there's a time and a place for it so judgment as to whether across the street or not when the bus is coming or, you know, judging, attending an event or walking into an experience that may be wrong for you. Right. So it's okay to have judgments of something being right or wrong for you. 
Right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like you're not right or wrong, this person over here doing this thing, but that's just wrong for me. So I'm going to remove myself. Yeah. And it's wrong for me at the moment. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I can make this decision today because it is right for me today. I am, I am making this decision because this is where I am today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think for me working in the space where I was working, where I would only see people two or three weeks in a row once a week. So I'd maybe only see them two or three times and I would never see them again. Right. I mean, thousands and thousands of people I was able to, you know, had the privilege and honor of working with, but I would see them two or three times and never, ever, ever see them again. And sometimes people would stay in the, you know, their, that part of the program for four, the detox phase for four or five weeks, which was unusual. And I'd say, okay, you're here. You haven't moved on to the next level of care. What's going on? Let's work on this. Right. So we get you, you know, sort of on to the next phase. But I think for me, and one of the reasons um, I, I kind of burned myself out is because I gave so much to um, wanting people to see themselves as I was seeing them. You know, I was determined to show them the divine reflection of themselves that they couldn't see or feel for themselves because I knew based on their stories that they shared, you know, they didn't have a loving feminine presence in their life say they didn't have a mother or a sister or an aunt or a grandmother. So I would, you know, sort of take on that, take on that role for them. And again, just be a reflection of the divinity that they don't see in themselves yet. And, you know, hopefully by the end of the third class, they would. Um, And uh, just working really hard to massage them and to find that, you know, I've been gifted with reading the unconscious mind. So helping go in and see, okay, where's, what's this mechanism? The brain is like a computer. We're programmed with all this junky software. Mm-hmm. It's time to defrag. We're going to defrag and install some new software. And we know it's just what affirmations are all about. That's one way of doing it. There's other ways of doing it too, but mm-hmm. let's go in and really see what the hook is in your brain that's stopping you from living your best life. Cause that's really, that's really what it is. And then we also have, we hook ourselves energetically. So in our energy bodies and our in our unconscious mind, it's hard to explain because I see the unseen. But we hook ourselves mentally, spiritually, energetically, um, and you know you can't. I mean, a regular Joe Smith can't see that for himself unless you work with somebody who, um, you know, can see these things. As I say, you know, I have my. I can't. We all have our blind spots. I can't see my hands right now, and so working with somebody who can help you um, bring those blind spots into vision out, bringing the shadows into the light so they don't have to be the shadows anymore. And um, you learn how to serve yourself better, which then the end result is we serve community better. Yeah. Oh, Rachel, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing so much with me and, and, yeah. and us. Okay. Like I, yeah, we could talk about this for a long, long time. This is going to just yeah. keep going. Um, but what I'm, I'm really glad that we not only talked a little bit about how you got here, but so much of your message and so much of what, what has brought you here. Because we all have so much to offer. And your experience and the work that you're doing and the message that, you're, you, you, that you have is so important. And, and which is why you know 
which is why I'm, I'm really happy to know that my message is resonating with yours because again, like it, it's, it's kismet. So I'm really excited that we, we connected and that, um, I get to, you know, spread your message further. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be able to do thank that. You, so Martin. thank you. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for all the work that you do in the recovery community and continuing to serve and to be a light and to keep those channels open to help more and more and more people and hopefully we can crush the addiction issues so that um, people can start to see and realize their pure potential and remember where they came from and remember who they are and know that they are complete masters of themselves if they choose to be and that they, and these days there are so many wonderful amazing beautiful tools because of technology there are so many amazing free things i mean as long as you have a smartphone or a computer or even if not just go to your library and jump on youtube you know there's so many amazing free things these days to help to help people so yeah oh thank you thank you martin you can contact Rachel through Recovery by Rachel on either Facebook or Instagram, or you can just go to her website, recoverybyrachel.com. If you visit the link in the description of this episode and take her recovery assessment, you'll receive her Awakening the Spirit guided meditation. Rachel is also hosting a live group coaching and meditation event for inner child recovery on August 6, 2019. The first five people to fill out her recovery assessment will receive a free promo code for that event. All the links mentioned in this podcast can be found in the description of this episode. I want to thank you again for listening to the Recover Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Martin John, and as we all know, we're doing this together. So if you're interested in supporting this podcast, please see the links below for donations or to be a regular supporter. Please rate this podcast on your favorite podcast app and consider writing a review or leaving me a voice message on Anchor. If you're someone with long-term recovery, feel free to contact me through Instagram at martinjohn or my website martinjohn.com. Until next time, keep recovering yourself.